Hey everybody, welcome back to Giant Talk, the world's first OKR podcast. Hope you're all safe and well. Um, might have started to re- return back to your offices and things now, maybe a little bit of normality signs creep in. So if you're doing that, I hope that's all going well for you. Um, this week, I'm delighted to have Chris James from Scaled Agile Link joining me. Welcome to the podcast, Chris. Thank you, Lawrence. Yeah, I'm delighted to be here. Uh, it's a great topic and uh, very interested to participate. Fantastic. So we're going to be talking today really about um, how you can go through the process of sort of inspecting and, and adapting your OKRs during your your quarterly reviews and things like that, which is something, a practice that Chris is really well versed in at, at Scaled, Scaled Agile Inc. But first, Chris, tell us a little bit about your background, you know, what you do at Scaled Agile and, and also what Scaled Agile do in the first place. Yeah, yeah, thank you, Lars. So I'm originally from... Uh, from Wales, I spent my formative years there, and uh, then jumped into big IT. I worked at uh, Digital Equipment Corporation and some microsystems, Oracle. Uh, and during that time, I also transitioned to live in the states here, and I'm based here in Boulder, Colorado. And uh, towards the end of my career, I transitioned into agile, an agile context. I worked at Rally Software, one of the leading uh, ALM tools, uh, application lifecycle management tools uh, that is used around the world, and then uh, joined uh, Scaled Agile Inc., which was uh, which is was founded by Dean Leppingwell, and they produce the product uh, Safe Scaled Agile Framework, uh, and this is the leading framework for bringing lean agile practices across. Uh, the major organizations, the Global 2000, who are looking to scale uh, lean agile practices, the agile practices that came out of the Agile Manifesto, and take those broadly across their organization to achieve business agility and implement a digital business approach. So I'm CEO, and I have a team here. Well, we have a team, a global team, of about 140 people around the world, and uh, we use SAFE. Uh, to operate the company as well. Okay, so you um, use Safe alongside OKRs, do you? Yes, yeah, Safe uh, embraced uh, OKRs uh, as part of its uh, proven practices. Safe is actually built on uh, is is a harvest of all of good practices around the world that uh, that we've used or seen used or. Are emerging better practice uh, for 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 scaling agility uh, and uh, OKRs. We're part of that. You know, you know the history of OKRs, and uh, they're, they're a proven uh, way of uh, helping teams focus their their work and gain alignment. And uh, they are part of uh, of Safe, uh, one of the practices adopted by Safe. Absolutely, that's fantastic. So, when did you first come across OKRs? Then, you know, when did you start to make them part of Safe? Well, uh, I first came across uh, OKRs uh, in uh, as I worked at some microsystems uh, in the eighties. You know, Silicon Valley. uh, You know the story well, and I'm sure your listeners do around OKRs. And uh, uh, some microsystems uh, had adopted them. Uh, and in, in different business units, we were we were using them to, to create alignment uh, 
within our team. So uh, I personally have had some history over the years uh, using them. And then uh, KPIs and OKRs have, have really been explicit in the, the safe uh, big picture or the practices of safe, uh, at least for the past uh, three or four years. Right. Yeah, that's interesting then, you know, you must have been one of the first people really visible in the in the OKR space then um, to be using them at some back in the 80s. That's awesome. Um, they've certainly come a long way since then. I know that. And it's amazing that, you know, what? How, however long later, 30, 40 years later, they're really starting to pick up steam now, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I think uh, I, I like the quote from uh, Stephen uh, Bungay, you know, the more alignment... Uh, you have the more autonomy you can grant and i think okrs help with that alignment and this demand uh, that is you know coming you know for people to have more autonomy uh, around the way that they work and how they work towards uh, particular goals and so i i, I think uh, okrs have their have their moment you know as we've all dispersed the work at home during this current context uh, there's never been a great need for alignment mm. because we're dispersed. We're all working, you know, in our bedrooms and our basement offices. <laughs> and, uh, you know, having aligned OKRs has been, uh, for us, for example, has been very, very important because we yeah. could continue working and producing value with a high degree of, of alignment. I think you've absolutely hit the nail on the head there. You know, all the businesses who are um, who were well-versed in something like OKRs when they came into this crisis period have almost been able to carry on, you know, business as normal for their employees, as long as, you know, within reason, things haven't been impacted too much in terms of their actual revenue generation. Um, but you can really tell the difference between those businesses and the ones who didn't have any sort of alignment principles in place coming out the back of the crisis, can't you? Yeah, no, absolutely. You, I, I, there, there are these two camps. There are those that, you know, obviously, as you say, it was difficult, particularly as there was disruption in uh, on the supply side and and the demand side of mm-hmm. disruption. But if you had OKRs, at least your teams knew what work needed to be done. Uh, and then on the other side, those that didn't really have good alignment, they had a period of chaos uh, and actually had. Uh, had to really bring their teams back together and really start that work of, of alignment. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I've seen that uh, with diff- different customer sets where they had this sort of chaotic start uh, as they tried to achieve alignment. Yeah, I, I, I kind of hope that this period can be a bit of a catalyst, really, for those companies that didn't have it in terms of a realisation that they need it because I think the demand for flexible working is only going to increase. Now people have proven that it can be done in pretty much any industry because people have had no choice. Um, so I think it's time for everyone else to sort of jump on the bandwagon as well now, really. Yeah. I, yeah, and I think one of the things that underpins that is that the technology to allow dis- distributed teams to work uh, and for people to work independently and then come together uh, enabled by technology as we are right now uh, coming together with Zoom, for example. Exactly. You know, it, 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 the, the technology is there to support it. You also need the working practices, 
like OKRs to help you uh, align uh, and be, be effective. Absolutely, completely agree. So I know you mentioned in our research call that you, you think a really important aspect of OKRs is about um, inspecting and adapting the OKRs within quarterly reviews. Do you want to just explain a little bit more to listeners what you mean by that? Yeah, and so a basis of you know lean, agile working is relentless improvement, and uh, I, I think this is a key key aspect. Often, uh, you, 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 within a team, you'll have people who feel things are either right or they're wrong. You know, it's bi- it's binary, and uh, I always coach my teams that really we're talking about relentless improvement. We will always. We have to have a view that the way that we're working today, the way that uh, we are measuring today, will change. You know, we've just had this black swan event right now, and that has changed the way we view the world and what yeah. uh, is more important. And so, you have to you have to have a mindset of relentless improvement. You have to be comfortable with the fact that the way that we do things today will change over time. And uh, having a view of relentless improvement and having a view that you need to improve the way you measure uh, and the way you work always and choosing the the most impactful things to improve on a regular cadence is an important way of, uh, of working in an agile context. Completely agree. And do you advocate that that happens at an individual level or a team level or, or a combination of the two? Well, the way that we practice it, we, we have a, the two, well, we do have the three levels, um, but professional development, personal development uh, is an important aspect. And we, we, we do encourage that sort of personal introspection uh, about how individuals can operate in, you know, better in, in a team context, in an organizational context. So we, when we think about uh, inspected adapting, we also think we also give time for personal introspection uh, as well. We we give time for teams to reflect uh, how how are we working as a team? But for us, a team, an agile team, is seven plus or minus two, uh, and we have about uh, about twenty teams uh, all together. And so we give those teams time to reflect and choose items to work on as a team to improve the, the operation of the team and the workflow in the team. And then as an organization, uh, we, we take, well, we used to take three or four things to improve in a, in a quarterly planning uh, cycle. And uh, I, I really have learned over the years that you can only really focus on one organizational improvement area right uh, the smaller the batch the better so so i try to keep the team down to one improvement area at an organizational level per quarter yes that's really interesting so does the okr process um get brought up at all in that it, it, it is because it, it, it guides you know one of the indicators that you're doing well uh, is your your key results. So it, it will point to uh, the areas of concern, areas that aren't working as well as they should be. So uh, they, they're an early, or one of the indicators that we're having difficulties in particular areas and need sure. to, to think about uh, improvement. That's really interesting. 
Um, and I know you mentioned as well to, to Jill when she was speaking to you that one of those key questions that you're asking across the entire organisation is what is it that's actually going to stop us achieving our objectives? And I guess that's part of that early indication system as well. Uh, how yeah, do you break uh, that down? Well, in, impediments uh, are, are really important. You know, in my role as CEO and, and my team uh, of, of leaders, uh, our, one of our key roles is to remove impediments that are, are stopping te- teams achieving uh, their key outcomes. So uh, we, we look for those impediments and we, we ask teams to surface those impediments. And it, it's actually a difficult area because uh, the more uh, autonomy you give individuals, the more autonomy you give to teams, the less likely they are to, to escalate. The idea of escalating someone could, uh, you know, to some, a higher authority becomes uh, a, a difficult concept for them. No, we solve our own problems. We have relentless improvement. And I, 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 so I've used, I use different language now. I talk about elevating uh, impediments and sharing impediments right. uh, is not a, 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 an admission that you can't fix things yourself. Sure. It, it's actually a good way to share uh, what's going on in the company and, and give visibility to things that could be improved. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting you say that because, you know, one of the first questions we actually ask when starting off an OKR consultancy piece of work with a new client is, you know, what within the organization is going to stop OKRs working for you? And I think that's an important thing to recognize as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the, the cultural acceptance. I mean, as you know, change depends a lot on the culture. Yeah, and the leadership style, and uh, yeah, that, you you really need to identify that uh, you know because you, you don't OKRs and a way of working that empowers people can really be dis- disabled by the culture or the leadership style. So you really need to think about that as you uh, as you implement. Couldn't agree more. So I love how Koan is designed with the team in mind. The team is really at the centre of the system and it's about helping the team and the members of those teams obviously to really collaborate on how they work with OKRs. I mean there's there's obviously full transparency across the system which helps and then the features that they have around feedback uh, and uh, being able to track uh, levels of confidence and so on and so forth around and progress against OKRs. It, it's it's amazing. And it, because of that level of transparency, it builds accountability and fosters some great communication. So, yeah, I love how teams are just at the centre of uh, the system. So once these things have been escalated, uh, you know, up the ladder a little bit then, what steps do you put in place to resolve them? Well, you, you really need to... <laughs> I always, you know, the best way to do this is the people closest to the work. Yeah. They really have the insights you need to improve. So you need, a, generally you need a cross-functional team of the people who are closest to the, to the issue that is the impediment. And so we, we try to get representatives with the passion and the knowledge and the insight closest to the issue to come together uh, and work through with 
you know, some of the sort of problem-solving uh, techniques like uh, the fishbone uh, approach and, and, and really think through what is the sort of really causing that issue and then work to see if we can uh, resolve it. What I really like there is that you mentioned right at the beginning that it's going to be a cross-functional team of people. You're not just making this one department's problem that everyone else is relying on. Yeah, because that's generally if it is if it generally if the team can fix it, they will. Yes, yeah. you know the you know knowledge workers uh, they they you know working in a team they generally know how to fix those type of things. The the, the issues are the ones that have boundary work uh, uh, where they they don't have that immediate ability to make the changes. So yeah, cross functional is critical. Yeah, couldn't, couldn't agree more on that as well. That's a really valid point. Um, so what if it's then that's the processes that are supporting the objectives that, that are failing? Is it a similar kind of remedy, putting together a cross-functional team to sort of diagnose what the problem is? How do you approach that? Yeah, well, we're lucky in that we work uh, using the Scaled Agile Framework Safe, uh, and that gives us a set of working practices around coming off uh, the business context, the, the value streams that we're working, because we're, we're really pushing the movement from projects to, 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 to product, right. to value, continuous release of value. And so we have processes that support that. And so those are continually evolving as we, as we, as we practice and we learn uh, better ways of doing things. So, we, we have a framework that, that helps us particularly um, called, you know, safe because we, you know, we, we work in that way. Mm. And that generally gives us the, the, the guidance and the, the approach that we need. And so what we're really talking about then is the flow, the impediments to the flow of value and how, how we can speed that up or, or just make that more effective. Fab. Yeah, I really like that concept. Because really, at the end of the day, everybody should be looking to, you know, focus on value, really, at the end of the day, shouldn't they? Whether it's for peers or clients or um, themselves, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For us, uh, delivering value to our customers is the focus yeah. and measuring that, that value and how we're doing it to deliver that value is as perceived by the customer and not necessarily for us. And so this movement away from having this project with a set time that people are all associated with, uh, that had fixed requirements right at the beginning, is, is just not the way of working. There's so much uncertainty and change, particularly now, but even pre-COVID, yeah. you know, you, with the speed of technology change, uh, the demographic changes, the the, the economic context, you, ha you have to have agility as part of your organizational infrastructure. And so you need to be able to assimilate these changes quickly uh, and have your practices and your working practices uh, support that. Absolutely. So we're, we, we, you know, we, we, agility is just the way that we work. Mm. So who sets the um, OKRs in, in your business then? Is it a top-down thing or, you know, blended? 
yeah, it, it, it is a, a, an, an iterative process uh, for us to sort of uh, agree what, what work we're going to do in the next quarter. Uh, we, we, we run off a, a three, you know, we, we have a sort of vision and mission approach that changes uh, every two or three years and then at, at least annually and then um, I, I edit it at a quarterly level, we have a business context. Right. So my business context coming into January uh, was one of growth, international expansion, uh, and uh, really, you know, how, how we would achieve that. But as, as we came into planning then in, um, you know, three months later uh, in, in April, obviously it was a different context. Um, it was one of how do we help our customers who have moved to this distributed uh, working context, working at home, uh, individuals dispersed, uh, you know, right across, uh, you know, uh, a country or uh, you know the world in many cases. How do we keep the? How do we support them to do that? So we had a different business context. So uh, it was key. My role as CEO was to make sure people understood how we were viewing that business context and to adapt their work to support that. That's a, that's an interesting little segue point for for me there. So how do you? keep those teams and your personnel engaged and how do you onboard them onto that you know new direction for the business as it were well there's a, there's a couple of things that we hold dear which is if you're going to ask people to work in a new way you really have to train them in that new way mm. uh, and you know Adult learners absolutely will really embrace a new way of working if they can be trained and they can see how it impacts uh, the value that they can ha have and they actually uh, practice it immediately they've been trained. Uh, you know, we've moved away from that sort of train people just in case they do things to you, you need to train people just in time. They need to be practicing it uh, almost immediately. Uh, so that they can, you know, assimilate it and internalize it. So training for us is really important, uh, and then, and then, constant reinforcement as a team of this way of working. Um, I remember when uh, when I was at some microsystems and we adopted Six Sigma. We were having right. some quality issues in the development of some of our product, and we embraced Six Sigma across the organization. But there wasn't, in my experiences, you know, working in a business unit at that point in some micro, there wasn't enough setting of the business context. There wasn't enough reinforcement uh, of Six Sigma as, a, as, a, as our preferred way of working. Uh, there were deliverables we had that we were half bought into that we should produce and how we would improve particular processes. But we really didn't have the overall business context we didn't have that quarterly top-up and uh, editing of, of that context uh, as things changed. So I think, I think it's really important that, you, that team members and organizational business units really understand the business context because 
people want to help companies achieve. They come to work to deliver value and help their company achieve. And if you, the more that you can create that alignment through understanding the business context, I, I think it's just a better way of working. Yeah, I think you've you've uh, struck a really important point there about keeping the business context front of mind at, at pretty much all times for people. Because I think leadership teams, in particular, in my experience, have a habit of um, spending hours and hours and hours, if not days, you know, and weeks, talking through their strategy into the, you know the most finite detail possible. Um, and kind of forgetting that the rest of the organization hasn't been a part of those conversations and then unleashing a whole new strategy or a whole new direction or a whole new system of working um, without filling in the blanks. And it's so important that you avoid doing that. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. The, uh, the internalization that happens with those leaders as they talk through and, and uh, you know, edit their, their view of the world, I mean, they go through a change process and uh, an argument process and an mm. engagement process. And then you've really got to think about, well, how do we take our teams through that process? Yeah. How do we communicate that? It, we're, one of the things I'm fixated on right now is what we call eight-by-eight eight communications. Right. That's eight, eight different times, eight different ways. <laughs> um, you know, I've I, I sort of... I've grown up in a world in big IT that, uh, you know, that your senior staff turn up with their 20 slides, they go through yeah. your 20 slides, and that's the communication of the strategy, Yeah, if you're lucky. Because uh, sometimes they don't even uh, do that. You mm. might get a set of slides in your email. Yes. And what I have found, that, that that's just one of the first, uh, of the eight ways that you need to really communicate <laughs> before people internalize it. Yeah. So I push my whole organization around eight by eight communications. Think about eight different ways, eight different times to communicate. Because never been a more important time to over communicate either strategy or changes or yeah. uh, what's happening in an organization. Absolutely. And that's something that we've touched on on a couple of different podcasts and webinars, just how important transparency and communication is in this current period, but also moving forwards. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, one of my team members said to me yesterday, uh, I, because we we can't do a sort of meet and greet of uh, new hires. Mm. I, I have people who joined January, you know, in January, February and early March uh, who joined the company and I've never really met them. So we've been doing some coffee mornings and yeah. different things to sort of uh, stim simulate uh, that sort of personal meeting. And uh, one of the things they said to me about coming into our company right now was the transparency. And I think transparency builds trust yeah. and it builds understanding and alignment. So I, I agree with you. Transparency is a huge asset for companies to engage their, their teams. Yeah, completely. Um, Chris, it's been really interesting. Thank you. Um, if I could just ask one more question, which the listeners will be used to be always ending on. Um, if you had one piece of advice that you could give to a business leader sort of about to jump in with OKRs and agile working, what would that be? It's a very good question. I, I, I knew that question was coming. And <laughs> I, I had actually written down transparency. Yeah, <laughs> I did wonder if you might have. <laughs> yeah, we just covered that. Uh, I, I, I think, you know, it, 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 it's... 
it, don't expect it to work straight away. Uh, the concept of relentless improvement is one you need to be comfortable with. It's not going to be a binary context. You know, it, we, we're not doing them, and we're doing them really well. It's going to be a period of assimilation and understanding and internalization by individuals, teams, and the organization. And you have to be comfortable with a growing capability uh, to apply OKRs and, and create the change and the focus on value and alignment that you need. So I would just say, be comfortable with the fact that you're going to have to relentlessly improve them, mm. uh, relentlessly improve how the team operates with them. Uh, and, and that's just the way of the world. It's not that you didn't do it right. It's just it's just the way things work. They, of course. they move gradually from not doing them to doing them well, but it's over a period of time with improvement. Yeah, and I think it's well worth remembering as well that your business changes and the world changes around you, right? And so the processes have to keep on evolving to meet that new world and that new business practice. Yeah, I, I think that's key because business agility, we say it as if it's, you know, easy. It, it's actually those type of practices of, of uh, accepting of change, expecting yeah. change, and then building your practices to support change. Mm, absolutely. Well, Chris, thank you so much for joining us. That's, that's been a fascinating discussion. Well, thank you, Lawrence, and best wishes. It's, uh, it's a great series of, uh, of podcasts that you're running and in an important area. So thank you. Thank you. And, and as always, guys, I hope you enjoyed the chat. Um, make sure you, you leave us a review where you can on whatever platform you listen to us on. Uh, and of course, don't forget to subscribe to the bonus content that's now available in the podcast description. Um, and if you have any questions, just shoot us an email. You know, it's just lawrence at therebygiants.com. We're always happy to chat to you. Um, and until next time, stay safe, stay well, and we'll see you for the next episode of Giant Talk. Thanks, everybody. Bye.